With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. Hello and welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I'm your host, Valerie Complex, associate editor and film writer at Deadline. I want to apologize. I know it's been a while, but the actor's strike really sort of took a toll on the recording. And it also gave me time to sort of, you know, garner more folks to talk with and just figure out creative ways to connect with other folks so that I can get this show back on the road. And we are officially back uh, right now. New York Film Festival's going on and I'm trying to catch up on some films I didn't see at TIFF. Uh, hope you're all doing well. And I got a great episode for today. My Animal, a queer coming of age film directed by Jacqueline Castell and written by Jay Matthews stars Amanda Stenberg and Bobby Salvor. Menwez. Now, the film is really interested because it follows Heather, who is tormented by a family curse and is forced to live a life in seclusion on the outskirts of the small town that she lives in. When she falls for a uh, rebellious woman named Johnny, their connection threatens to unravel Heather's suppressed desires, tempting her to unleash the animal within. Now, this is like straight up genre-bending supernatural love story. And Castell said something that perfectly encompasses the, the feel of what you'll see if you watch the movie. And she said, I found the pain and joy of mirrored adolescent struggles, our complex family relations, and the difficulty of navigating our earliest and most formative relationships. And that's really what this film is about. Um... It's kind of tantamount to to Ginger Snaps. I don't know if anybody remembers that film. But, you know, there's the werewolf uh, aspect coming of age and things of that nature. And on today's episode, I talk with Castell and Matthews about what it means to come of age. We also talk about why werewolves are the perfect conduit for adolescents and how Bobby Salvor Menwez and Amanda Stenberg brought that vision to life. And with that said, let's get into it. You know, when I was a kid, I used to want to rip that moon right out of the sky. But life doesn't work that way, does it? Thank you for joining me. Thank you for coming on to the uh, Scene to Scene podcast. It is really um, an honor. And, um, you know, I can't wait to talk about this film. Um, I remember after, you know, after I watched it, you know, with some friends, we were kind of having some internal debates on like the theme and finding, you know, finding the different 
themes that we thought were present, um, we thought was missing, things of that nature. But I want to give you a chance to say, if you're willing to, you know, tell the audience, what do you, you know, think uh, the film is about? Let's say if you were sitting in the audience and you were like, hmm, what do I think that film is about? What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think for me, um, the film was always just kind of about ultimately um, what it takes to love yourself and what it takes to um, surmount the sort of like um, what you're pushing up against inside of yourself. I'm always really intrigued by films about like outsider figures and people that don't entirely fit into society. That's something that I just felt a lot when I was a teenager, or I just felt like um, really out of place. And I think that's just an age where that's pretty common, I think, and typical. And um, I think there's a real struggle to, you know, love yourself during that time period. And I think that when I was reading the script for my animal, I just I felt a lot of the same, like when I read it, I felt really connected to the characters and really connected to the experience and that experience of feeling like being kind of unsure about embracing who it is that you are. But I think that once you do, that's when you can really start to kind of, um, I don't know, integrate better or like um, with yourself. And then as an extension of that, with uh, the rest of the world. So it really is a, a film about like finding yourself, I think. What I think is really unique about my animal is like, you know, discovering that you're queer and everything is one thing. But what about people who even sit outside of that and feel disconnected from that? And I really, you know, like how the film sort of addresses that, because that's something that we don't often see. You know, what if, you know, what if you are queer, but you're still kind of too weird to be a part of that or whatever. Um, uh, Jay, I'm wondering if you can speak to that. Um, I know you have, you know, writing experience and then, you know, your music and everything. Can you talk about how those two things sort of connect? Yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of reemphasize something Jack just said, it the movie to me is so much about like, not being able to love yourself when you're kind of growing and in those formative years, especially because there's like very little guidance and like everything is confusing and scary and generally just um, being kind of outside of the box, even in terms of like your queerness or whatever. I think generally that experience is one that is, I don't know. I grew up in a very like, kind of remote conservative area. And so I think even at the time, you know, it's wild. I was talking to a friend about this the other day, but like, imagine being 16 right now. It's so different than 16, 20 years ago. I sound like, you know, someone who's like really harping on something, but generally like, you know, in my high school, there was one gay man and like, he was like a very brave person. I remember a friend of mine, but like now it feels like, yeah, like whatever you want to be or figure out, like there's so much more looseness in terms of like figuring out who you are. Um, and I think that like, just in terms of being the outsider, that's just built on 
not having any type of community or environment and being like really scared about some of your natural instincts or like what you're attracted to. Queerness in general, I think, provides a space for people to figure out who they are. Um, and maybe like growing up in the middle of nowhere, like you don't really get it. Like it, it is very binary. Um, like you're either like definitely a lesbian or like gonna get married. You know, you're turning 19, you're getting married, you're going to have a kid. Um, um, my music is, um, yeah, I write a lot of what I write in terms of music and like also obviously with my animal, it's, it comes from a place of like desperation, again, fear and like maybe too, like this is a bigger question that I should be having with myself, but shame just in terms of sexuality. Um, and I think partially it is because I've never gotten the space to accept like who I am or like even figure that out. And so I do have a lot of envy for a 16 year old now because, you know, you are provided that space and that means you're going to be a healthy 35 year old who has it figured out. Right. And What's interesting is the theme of of lichenism and the transformation that sort of takes place within that and thus the transformation that takes place when you're, you know, as you guys were talking about loving yourself and sort of more sure about who you are. Um, can you talk about how those sort of concepts came together to create this so, sort of order, ah, sort of overall idea about um, what it means to live authentically yeah in a very basic way the transformation while I was writing really was about accessing anger um I think oftentimes you know you aren't given permission to experience like this real violent anger and part of the story concept was just like yeah like you know, Heather is like at the end of it all and like ready to destroy something, you know, and I just wanted like the transformation. I was like, how can we experience like an incredibly violent rage? And I love the idea of just like, you know, yeah, picturing like this beast ripped up, like totally rip apart a bro, you know, like, right. Because like the antithesis of Heather, of course, is Rick. Um, but I do also, after like kind of working with this, with Jack and like, especially with Bobby who plays Heather, um, the transformation did kind of evolve into like representing something else, like representing transness and representing change and like, just like evolution in a way that I was like, damn, when I wrote this, like, yeah, I was like being very basic and superficial like I want teeth and blood you know and then I had this beautiful moment with Bobby where they were like no this is about evolution for me and like being able to fulfill you know my destiny or who I am yeah and I think like that that was something also you know that we were like exploring a lot just like on set and just the idea of how, like, I always love like layering things as a director where you're kind of building in the narrative within the narrative itself. 
And so I like a lot of conversations that I had about Bobby early on were like, okay, so at the beginning of the movie, this was before we started shooting, Bobby had just under, undergone top surgery. And so we were talking about the character and how that wouldn't have been necessarily an accessible thing for Heather's character in the time period that it takes place, right? Because it has this little bit of a period 90s kind of feeling to it. And so we talked a lot about that and how that wouldn't be something that would be part of her character at that moment. Um, so we had these kind of like implants that we were kind of using on set for the majority of the shoot. But then once the final transformation happens, that gets removed. So there was this element of, you know, Bobby themselves, like actually transforming in the movie and to reflect Bobby's own journey from the beginning of the process and pre-production and just in casting and then to reflect where Bobby was at, at the end of that process. So it was like that was actually transforming Bobby's body was physically transforming through the creation of the film from start to finish. So that was like also just really interesting to kind of play with and talk about and just like that just idea of transformation as this sort of like larger almost like spiritual transformation that somebody's undergoing to embrace who it is that they are and so when collaborating on what the tone of this would be not just in writing but visually you know everybody's going to have their own interpretation but it gave me some giallo vibes um, you know, with the colors and the shooting style and everything like that. So how did you guys sort of come to a consensus on what that would look like? Um, well, I mean, I think like on my end, you know, I'm, I come from like a, like very highly stylized kind of background in terms of my visuals. And I think that's just from years of doing, you know, music videos and experimenting in that format, but also having like a love of like, a lot of different types of cinema, like from all over the world, from, from a very like young age, old like ex, you know, Kim's video clerk in New York City. It was my first job. And like, you know, I think just this absolute love of the cinema and everything that you can kind of explore with it. And obviously, I really love the horror genre and how it makes use of some of those elements. But for me, it's not it's not just about that style. It's about, okay, what are we what are we doing with that style? So my DP, Bryn and I, Bryn McCashin and I, we basically like really kind of like put together this almost kind of like moon phase of like the emotional phase of the character. And I really love subjective filmmaking. Like I'm really interested in filmmaking where you're in the point of view and perspective of the character. You're there with them and you're feeling them breathing. You're you're like, you're feeling their emotional state. And so I wanted there to be this arc in the movie visually and also orally with the sound design and the music choices and the score for, you know, it's a kind of ebb and flow with Heather's emotional state. So when Heather would be in like very intense moments of like anger or love or love, um, the visuals would go into a really extreme place just to kind of mirror that feeling of when you're young and your emotions overwhelm you. They just like completely surge over you and they color the way that you look at things. And you're not really like well adapted yet to like figuring out how to like control that mechanism within yourself. Um, it's all just like a lot of like, I don't know, it's all crazy at that at that moment in time. So I really wanted everything to kind of reflect that. So there's a whole kind of like, arc in the film or kind of like a sine wave that happens throughout the course of the movie that's reflecting where 
Heather's emotional state is at that exact moment. So that that was that was really purposeful going between that and then this like really more like bleak reality and switching back and forth between the two. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And would you say, like, colors have specific meaning here? You know, there's red and blue and there's, you know, a hint of yellow sometimes. And then sometimes, you know, when we're in reality, it's a certain color. It's like this, you know, blue hue. So um, I'm wondering if the colors have any specific meaning to you personally, especially when you were, you know, shooting. Yeah, I mean, I knew that I was always going to hit it pretty hard with like the reds and blues. And I think the blues because of just like the landscapes that you're in, right? These like icy landscapes, that's just going to be kind of inherent already. Um, but then, you know, uh, obviously there's a lot of red in the movie, <laughs> a lot of it. And, um, but that was like a tool again, to kind of show where certain characters were at. Like we would, even if it was like a scene that was a bit more like practical in nature in terms of the color red showing up, like there would be like a brake light between the two characters when they're sitting in the back of a car, but it would be like pressed on a little harder than it should be, you know, just to kind of like show this love that's growing between the two characters. So that happened with like lighting choices and with just like decisions on like, you know, even just like the arena, right? Like it's this, it's this combination of this like love and also danger with this color red or like I I, I wanted to shoot in Timmins, Ontario because it was the only place I could find in Northern Ontario that had a red arena. Right. <laughs> like everything <laughs> in it is red. Mm. And so that was like something I was really seeking out. Like I really wanted that to just kind of reinforce this like idea or like I was like obsessed with this idea of the arena as like this like living space or this psychological space for Heather as well. So um so it was through like lighting it was through the the locations and it was also just like little hair or costume details like even like Johnny um Amanda's hair extensions would like become more pink throughout the movie as she was as like Johnny's character was falling in love. So it was and then when there was a break between them then her like her hair went ice white again you know and so it was like there are these little things they're small and they're subtle and they're things that probably most people won't notice but there are things that I wanted to put in there to just kind of like guide the feeling of the the scene or feeling of where the characters are at um in that moment little easter eggs so to speak yeah that's really cool (laughs) and and Jay when writing the script how did you go about keeping that gaze, not just like, you know, from another woman, but what the queer experience would be like for that or creating their personalized sort of queer awakening and queer experience? Um, Sure. I mean, I don't know if I can speak, you know, in such a global way, but I can tell you that I wrote this 
very much about my own experience. I fell in love with my best friend when I was in high school and it was like incredibly painful relationship. And um, at the time it was like incredibly shameful to be gay or even like functionally like not hetero in this extent. And so I wrote it, I wrote my animal in like 2000. And 17, after I had to spend an extended period at home taking care of my mom, who her husband just um, suddenly died. So I was there. I was in my childhood bedroom. I was opening up the drawers and I was finding these like psycho things that I was like writing, like just little scratches. And it's like clearly coming from a place of being desperately in love with someone and not at all ever ever being able to reconcile those feelings or understand them even um so I guess to try to tackle that question it's like my intent here was not to um create an allegory about the queer experience even though I know it exists there I this totally was written in a period of needing to get it out. And like, I'd actually also like full disclosure, I really didn't ever think it was going to be made into an actual movie. <laughs> like I, I didn't write it with like any hopes or even ideas that it would be produced. Um, it was just like, it was something I kind of had to really get out so I was able to like understand myself too I mean like granted I'm not sure if it like was as cathartic as I needed it to be but I'm really happy that I was like able to kind of write it under that spell and you know how does it feel to adapt something that's so personal to to your personal experience I I I imagine there were some times that you would have to step away or or maybe not, you know, maybe like you mentioned before, it was a sort of cathartic experience. So um, I'm wondering, you know, what was that like seeing your the ideas from your head being transferred on screen? Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, I know I'm asking these crazy like personal. No, it's not crazy. It's And like, truthfully, I think it's like the answer here, which is not, it sounds like a cop out, but I'm just really processing. I wasn't part of production at all. I wasn't on set, Um, you know, as much as I like really was curious and, you know, I was like, oh, like casting. I wasn't, that was not my world. Like essentially when the drafting was done, I was done. And so the first, I saw the film was at Sundance um, where it premiered and it was like, yeah, a very complicated experience. And we are gearing up to go see the premiere in New York um, in two days. And it's going to be even more complicated because, you know, my mom passed away a couple months ago and it's no, and I think that it relates to this in that so much of this thing I wrote was like already about the grief of my relationship with my mom. So it's like, oh, it is incredibly heavy and I'm I'm processing it. And I guess if you're familiar with my music, because you referenced it earlier, like in my music, I don't shy away from the incredibly personal, but then it does end up make me feel 
pretty vulnerable and like naked and exposed. And so like, then I just happened to do it again in like a format that is like far more accessible. Um, so yeah, it's a little scary. And uh, man, I have so many questions, like, but I'm not going to keep you guys too long. I'm wondering how the sort of love scene was choreographed and how that was sort of shaped um, to look like it did the certain angles. It was, it was, it was exciting, but also disorienting at the same time. So I'm like, this is all intentional, maybe. Um, so I'm wondering if you could speak to that a little bit, Jacqueline. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like, I mean, that was one of my very favorite scenes to shoot. And I think I've been thinking on it a lot. And I think the reason why I loved it so much was that it was like, okay, obviously it's like, it, it's an intimate scene to begin with, with your actors, but also I loved it because it was a closed set. And I feel like that set, there's so much energy that's around you all the time and not necessarily energy that you want to have around. And it's like, you're always trying to protect, you're trying to create this like bubble for yourself and your actors of like total concentration. And I felt like when we finally, like when we shot that scene, we created this kind of black box studio out of nothing. It was like out of this Croatian like dance hall. And we put up, <laughs> we put up these like big black flat, you know, we basically just created our own studio and, um, and it was a really nice moment for me because I felt like we could just have this like direct communication and it just felt like we could just jam music and we could get to this place emotionally between Bobby and Amanda. And I just, I love that moment. Just is like one, it's a really like high moment for me um, because of that, just like intimate working experience. Um, and I mean, yeah, it was definitely purposeful for it to be, like fantastical and a little disorienting because again speaking to what I was like talking about earlier you know things are really disorienting when you fall in love for the first time you know like and it can really tear you up and like um it's it's I don't know like you see things differently you feel like I mean I don't know just the kind of emotions that are happening especially during that time in your life like I I just I wanted to capture that and capture that moment and lean into some of my experimental tendencies as a film director in general. So I, um, we, we shot that by, you know, creating this box and then we had this, I wanted to do all this cool stuff with it to kind of create that feeling. So we had this bed that was, um, on top of a like rotating platform. And so it was rotating in circles. And then we had a circle track that was around the whole bed and we were dollying on this, like on that as well. And then my DP Bryn had like also suggested, which I had never used this before, a skater lens, which is like this lens adapter that's like a long lens adapter that goes on the front of the camera. And it kind of like, you put the the lens on the end of it and it allows you to actually just like move like the lens itself in a bunch of different directions. So it was all of this kind of like swirling kind of elements of shooting the scene. And then, yeah, just having like, just putting on like music that like Bobby and Amanda, like Amanda had kind of made like a little bit of a like playlist of stuff to play during that moment. And so that was kind of happening. And I think what was really great too, is just that 
in the casting process, I, while I didn't know this, um, Bobby and Mandela were like the top picks. And I was really, I feel really fortunate that they were, they responded to the material and they were the people that I ultimately got to cast. But they, um, they actually knew each other, which I didn't know when I cast them. And so that was actually really exciting. They knew each other from like the New York and LA queer scenes. And that like, that also was a really good base, obviously, to be able to work off of where your actors already have trust with each other. And they already like, it's not like complete strangers walking into a room together and then having to be like intimate. So I think that really, um, that really helped me feel really secure in that scene as well. So that's really one of like my, my favorite moments from production. All right. Um, only got two more questions, but this this might be a spoiler if they choose to answer it. So you might want to skip ahead or whatever if you don't want to hear it. But what I would like to know is did um did Heather did Heather bite Johnny? And that's why that that's why Johnny didn't want to see Heather anymore, or is that left ambiguous on purpose? Um, I mean, I think the scene in general is kind of has a lot of ambiguity to it. It starts out really high and then it goes into like a little bit of a stranger direction. And I think that was always kind of something that was in the script, just from the perspective of it starts out more romantic and then becomes a little like uh, there's like tinges of like violence to it by the end. I mean, not like aggressively so, but like the, there was a little bit of that in the writing. And I, I love that idea of the scene kind of turning or playing off of this metaphor of like what this, what this werewolf is, or what is this thing that you're trying to like hide within yourself. So, um, or not reveal to somebody that you're getting close to. Um, so I wanted to play with that without being like, really overt about it i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> nice um now last question is if there's one thing that you hope the audience picks up from watching my animal um i mean i always love the idea that films are a communication with audience that they are in a in and of themselves like that they're uh, a, a live dialogue that you can have, even though the film is fixed and it's not changing. I think whenever I see it in different theatrical environments and de- depending on the audience, the kind of festival that we've been playing or whatnot, you see that the audience responds to it and reacts to it differently and come away with different things and things that I'm really surprised by that like I was not intending, but people will find. And I think that's what's really interesting. I think now that we're on the precipice of like releasing the film, it's for somebody else to now take and like, take what they want from the film. And like, I've had a lot of older men tell me that they love the father daughter relationship, you know, and that was the thing that they really loved. I've had men tell me that they feel really connected to Heather and that they experience certain things that Heather experienced. I mean, it's so interesting to see that it can come from all sorts of different directions and people who are interested in it from the genre perspective or from the love story or the queer narrative and I just I think it's 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 now time for like me to let go of whatever I was cr- trying to create and give it to other people. And and it's like it's it's their animal now. Right. So I can't control how people are going to perceive it, but I hope that they can bring some of themselves to it. I think also I would love for people to take away the like awesome performances by Bobby and Amanda. Um, oh, sorry. My. My dog, so, um, but we're really, really lucky that they were invested in 
the story and they like really brought it to life. So thank you, uh, Jacqueline and Jay for, for, you know, coming on and, and being honest and vulnerable about the project and letting people in on some secrets that they may not have, um, known before if they've seen it or or anything like that so thank you very much i hope you guys have a great week and yeah hope to take care of yourself and good luck with the uh the premiere and everything i think it's gonna go really well thank you yeah thank you so much valerie take care bye-bye